Chapter thirty two of the Roots of the Mountains by William Morris. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The men of Shadowy Vale come to the spring market at Bergstead. On the morrow betimes in the morning, the Westland chapmen, who were now all come, went out from the house of the face, where they were ever wont to be lodged, and set up their booths adown the street betwixt gate and bridge. Gay was the show, for the booths were tilted over with painted cloths, and the merchants themselves were clad in long gowns of fine cloth, scarlet and blue, and white and green and black, with broidered welts of gold and silver, and their knaves were gaily attired in short coats of diverse hues, with silver rings about their arms, and short swords girt to their sides. People began to gather about these chapmen at once when they fell to opening their bales and their packs, and unloading their wains. There had they iron, both in pigs and forged scrap and nails. Steel they had, and silver, both in ingots and vessel, pearls from oversea, cinnabar and other colours for staining, such as were not in the mountains, madder from the marches, and purple of the sea, and scarlet grain from the home oaks by its edge and woad from the deep clay fields of the plain, silken thread also from the outer ocean, and rare webs of silk, and jars of olive oil, and fine pottery, and scented woods, and sugar of the cane. But gold they had none with them, for that they took there, and for weapons, save a few silver gilt toys, they had no markets. So presently they fell to chaffer, for the carls brought them little bags of the river-born gold, so that the weights and scales were at work. Others had with them scrolls and tallies to tell the number of the beasts which they had to sell, and the chapmen gave them wares, therefore, without beholding the beasts, for they wotted that the dalesmen lied not in chaffer. While the day was yet young, withal came the dalesmen from the mid and nether dale with their wares, and set up their booths, and they had with them flasks and kegs of the wine which they had to sell and bales of the good winter-woven cloth, some grey, some dyed, and pieces of fine linen, and blades of swords and knives, and axes of such fashion as the Westland men used, and golden cups and chains, and fair rings set with mountain-blue stones, and copper-bowls and vessels gilt and parcel-gilt, and mountain-blue for staining. There were men of the shepherds also, with such fleeces as they could spare from the daily chaffer with the neighbours, and of the woodlanders were four carls and a woman with peltries and dressed deerskins, and a few pieces of well-carven woodwork for bedsteads and chairs and such like. Soon was the burg thronged with folk in all its open places, and all were eager and merry, and it could not have been told from their demeanour and countenance that the shadow of a grievous trouble hung over them, True it was that every man of the dale and the neighbours was girt with his sword, or bore spear or axe or other weapon in his hand, and the most had their bucklers at their backs and their helms on their heads. But this was ever their custom at all meetings of men, not because they dreaded war or were fain of strife, but in token that they were free men, from whom none should take the weapons without battle. Such were the folk of the land. As for the chapmen, they were well spoken and courteous, and blithe with the folk, as they well might be, for they had good pennyworths of them. 
yet they dealt with them without using measureless lying, as behoved folk dealing with simple and proud people, and many was the tale they told of the tidings of the cities and the plain. There amongst the throng was the bride, in her maiden's attire, but girt with the sword, going from booth to booth with her guests of the runaways, and doing those poor people what pleasure she might, and giving them gifts from the goods there, such as they set their hearts on. And the more part of the runaways were about among the people of the fair, but Dalach, being still weak, sat on a bench by the door of the house of the face, looking on well pleased at all the stir of folk. Hallface was gone on the woodland ward, while face of God went among the folk in his most glorious attire, but he soon betook him to the place of meeting without the gate, where Stoneface and some of the elders were sitting along with the alderman, beside whom sat the headman of the merchants, clad in a gown of fine scarlet, embroidered with the best work of the dale, with a golden chaplet on his head, and a good sword, golden-hilted, by his side, all which the alderman had given to him that morning. These chiefs were talking together concerning the tidings of the plain, and many a tale the guests told to the dalesman, some true, some false. For there had been battles down there, and the fall of kings and destruction of people, as oft befalleth in the guileful cities. He told them also, in answer to their story of the dusky men, of how men even such like, but riding on horses or drawn in wains, and host not to be numbered, had erewhile overthrown the hosts of the cities of the plain, and had wrought evils scarce to be told of, and how they had piled up the skulls of slaughtered folk into great hills beside the city gates, so that the sun might no longer shine into the streets, and how, because of the death and the rapine, grass had grown in the king's chambers, and the wolves had chased deer in the temples of the gods. But, quoth he, I know you, bold tillers of the soil, valiant scourers of the wildwood, that the worst that can befall you will be to die under shield, and that ye shall suffer no torment of the thrall. May the undying gods bless the threshold of this gate, and oft may I come hither to taste of your kindness. May your race, the uncorrupt, increase and multiply, till your valiant men and clean maidens make the bitter sweet and purify the earth. He spake smooth-tongued and smiling, handling the while the folds of his fine scarlet gown, and belike he meant a full half of what he said, for he was a man very eloquent of speech, and had spoken with kings, uncowed and pleased with his speaking, and for that cause and his riches he had been made chief of the chapmen. As he spake, the heart of face of God swelled within him, and his cheek flushed, but Iron Face sat up straight and proud, and a little smile played about his face, as he said gravely, Friends of the Westland, I thank thee for the blessing and the kind word. Such as we are, we are. Nor do I deem that the very God shall change us, and if they will be our friends it is well, for we desire naught of them save their friendship, and if they will be our foes, that also shall we bear. Nor will we curse them for doing that which their lives bid them to do. What sayest thou, face of God, my son? Yes, father, said face of God, I say that the very gods, though they slay me, cannot unmake my life that has been. If they do deeds, yet shall we also do. The outlander smiled as they spake, 
and bowed his head to iron face and face of God, and wondered at their pride of heart, marvelling what they would say to the great men of the cities if they should meet them. But as they sat a-talking, there came two men running to them from the portway, their weapons all clattering upon them, and they heard withal the sound of a horn winded not far off, very loud and clear, and the chapman's cheek paled, for in sooth he doubted that the war was at hand, after all he had heard of the dalesman's dealings with the dusky men, and all battle was loathsome to him. Not for all the gain of his chaffer had he come into the dale, had he known that war was looked for. But the chiefs of the dalesmen stirred not, nor changed countenance, and some of the good men who were in the streets nigh the gate came forth to see what was toward, for they also had heard the voice of the horn. Then one of those messengers came up, breathless, and stood before the chiefs, and said, New tidings, alderman! Here be weapons strangers come into the dale! The alderman smiled on him, and said, Yea, son, and are they a great host of men? Nay, said the man, not above a score, as I deem, and there is a woman with them. Then shall we abide them here, said the alderman, and thou mightest have saved thy breath, and suffered them to bring tidings of themselves, since they may scarce bring us war for no man desireth certain and present death, and that is all that such a band may win at our hands in battle to-day, and all who come in peace are welcome to us. What like are they to behold? said the man. They are tall men, gloriously attired, so that they seem like kinsmen of the gods, and they bear flowering boughs in their hands. The alderman laughed and said, If they be gods, they are welcome indeed, and they shall grow the wiser for their coming for they shall learn how guest-fain the Burgdell men may be. But if, as I deem, they be like unto us, and but the children of the gods, then they are as welcome, and it may be more so, and our greeting to them shall be as their greeting to us would be. Even as he spake, the horn was winded nearer yet, and more loudly, and folk came pouring out of the gate to learn the tidings. Presently the strangers came from off the portway into the space before the gate, and their leader was a tall and goodly man of some thirty winters. In glorious array, helm on head and sword by side, his surcoat green and flowery like the spring meads. In his right hand he held a branch of the blossomed blackthorn, for some was yet in blossom, and his left had hold of the hand of an exceeding fair woman who went beside him. Behind him was a score of weaponed men in goodly attire, some bearing bows, some long spears, but each bearing a flowering bough in hand. The tall man stopped in the midst of the space, and the alderman and they with him stirred not, though, as for face of God, it was to him as if summer had come suddenly into the midst of winter, and for the very sweetness of delight his face grew pale. Then the newcomer drew nigh to the alderman and said, Hail to the gate, and the men of the gate! Hail to the kindred of the children of the gods! But the alderman stood up and spake, And hail to thee, tall man! Fair greeting to thee and thy company! Wilt thou name thyself with thine own name, or shall I call thee naught save guest? Welcome art thou, by whatsoever name you wilt be called. Here mayst thou and thy folk abide as long as ye will. Said the newcomer, Thanks have thou for thy greeting and for thy bidding and that bidding shall we take, whatsoever may come of it, for we are minded to abide with thee for a while. But know thou, O alderman of the dalesman, 
that I am not sackless toward thee and thine. My name is Folkmite, of the children of the wolf, and this woman is the sunbeam, my sister, and these behind me are of my kindred, and are well beloved and trusty. We are no evil men or wrongdoers, yet we have been driven into sore straits, wherein men must needs at whiles do deeds that make their friends few and their foes many. So it may be that I am thy foreman, yet if thou doubtest of me, that I shall be a baneful guest, thou shalt have our weapons of us, and then mayst thou do thy will upon us without dread, and here first of all is my sword. Therewith he cast down the flowering branch he was bearing, and pulled his sword from out his sheath, and took it by the point, and held out the hilt to Iron Face. But the alderman smiled kindly on him, and said, The blade is a good one, and I say to know the craft of sword-forging. But I need it not, for thou seest, I have a sword by my side. Keep your weapons one and all, for ye have come amongst many, and those no weaklings. And if so be that thy guilt against us is so great that we must needs fall on you, you will need all your war-gear. But hereof is no need to speak till the time of the folk-moat, which will be older in three days' wearing. So let us forbear this matter till then, for I deem we shall have enough to say of other matters. Now, folk might sit down beside me, and thou also, sunbeam, fairest of women. Therewith he looked into her face and reddened, and said, Yet belike thou hast a word of greeting for my son, face of God, unless it be so that she have not seen him before. Then face of God came forward, and took folkmites by the hand and kissed him, and he stood before the sunbeam and took her hand, and the world waxed a wonder to him as he kissed her cheeks, and in no wise did she change countenance, save that her eyes softened, and she gazed at him full kindly from the happiness of her soul. Then face of God said, Welcome guests, who erewhile guested me so well. Now beginneth the day of your well-doing to the men of Burgdale. Therefore will we do to you as well as we may. Then Folkmite and the Sunbeam sat them down with the chieftains, one on either side of the alderman. But face of God passed forth to the others, and greeted them one by one. Of them was Woodfather and his three sons, and Beaumay, and they rejoiced exceedingly to see him, and Beaumay said, now it gladdens my heart to look upon thee alive and thriving, and to remember that day last winter when I met thee on the snow, and turned thee back from the perilous path to thy pleasure, which the dusky men were besetting, of whom thou knewest naught. Yea, it was merry that tide, but this is better. Nay, friend, she said, it availeth thee naught to strive to look out of the back of thine head, let it be enough to thee that she is there. Thou art now become a great chieftain, and she is no less, and this is a meeting of chieftains, and the folk are looking on, and expecting demeanour of them as of the gods, and she is not to be dealt with as if she were the daughter of some little good man, with whom one hath made tryst in the meadows. There, hearken to me for a while, at least till I tell thee that thou seemest to me to hold thine head higher than when I last saw thee, though that is no long time either. Hast thou been in battle again since that day? Nay, he said, I have stricken no stroke since I slew two felons within the same hour that we parted. And thou, sister, what hast thou done? She said, The grey goose hath been on the wing thrice since that, bearing on it the bane of evil things. 
Then said Woodwise, Kinswoman, tell me of that battle, since thou art deaf with thy tongue. She said, Weary on battles, it is naught save this. Twelve days are gone, needs must every fighting man of the wolf, carl or queen, wend away from shadowy vale, while those unmeet for battle we hid away in the caves at the nether end of the dale. But Sunbeam would not endure that night, and fared with us, though she handled no weapon. All this we had to do, because we had learned that a great company of the dusky men were overnigh to our dale, and needs must we fall upon them, lest they should learn too much and spread the story. Well, so wise was folk might, that we came on them unawares by night in cloud at the edge of the pine wood, and but one of our men was slain, and of them not one escaped, and when the fight was over we counted four score and ten of their arm rings. He said, Did that or aught else come of our meeting with them that morning? Nay, she said, naught came of it. Those we slew were but a straying band. Nay, the fourscore and ten slain in the pinewood knew not of shadowy vale belike, and had no intent for it. They were but scouring the wood, seeking their warriors that had gone out from Silverdale, and came not aback. Thou art wise in war, Bome, said Face of God, and he smiled withal. Bome reddened and said, Friend Goldmane, dost thou perchance deem that there is aught ill in my warring? And the sunbeam, she naysayeth the bearing of weapons, though I deem that she hath little fear of them when they come her way. Said Face of God, Nay, I deem no ill of it, but much good, for I suppose that thou hast learned overmuch of the want of the dusky men, and hast seen their thralls. She knitted her brows, and all the merriment went out of her face at that word, and she answered, Yea, thou hast it, for I have both seen their thralls, and been in the dale of thraldom, and how then can I do less than I do? But for thee, I perceive that thou hast been nigh unto our foes, and hast fallen in with their thralls, and that is well, for what so tales we had told thee thereof, it is like thou wouldst not have trowed in, as now thou must do, since thou thyself hast seen these poor folk. But now I will tell thee, Goldmane, that my soul is sick of these comings and goings for the slaughter of a few wretches, and I long for the great day of battle, when it will be seen whether we shall live or die. And though I laugh and jest, yet doth the wearing of the days wear me. He looked kindly on her and said, I am a war-leader of this folk, and trust me, that the waiting tide shall not be long. Wherefore now, sister, be merry to-day, for that is but meet and right, and cast aside thy care, for presently shalt thou behold many new friends. But now, meseemeth, over long have ye been standing before our gate, and it is time that ye should see the inside of our burg, and the inside of our house. Indeed, by this time, so many men had come out of the street, that the place before the gates was all thronged, and from where he stood, face of God could scarcely see his father, or folk might, and the sunbeam, and the chieftains. So he took Woodfather by the hand, and close behind him came Woodwise and Bome, and he cried out for way that he might speak with the alderman, and men gave way to them, and he led those newcomers close up to the gate-seats of the elders, and as he clove the press, smiling and bright-eyed and happy, all gazed on him, but the sunbeam who was sitting between Ironface and the Westland chapman, and who heretofore had been agaze with eyes beholding little, past whose ears the words went unheard, 
and whose mind wandered into thoughts of things unfashioned yet, when she beheld him close to her again, then, taken unawares, her eyes caressed him, and she turned as red as a rose, as she felt all the sweetness of desire go forth from her to meet him, so that, he perceiving it, his voice was the clearer and sweeter for the inward joy he felt, as he said, Alderman, meseemeth it is now time that we bring our guests into the house of our fathers, for since they are in warlike array, and we are no longer living in peace, and I am now war-leader of the dale, I deem it but meets that I should have the guesting of them. Moreover, when we are come into our house, I will bid thee look into thy treasury, that thou mayst find therein somewhat which it may pleasure us to give to our guests. Said Ironface, Thou sayest well, son, and since the day is now warm past noon, and these folk are but just come from the waste, therefore such as we have of meat and drink abideth them. And surely there is within our house a coffer which belongeth to thee and me, and forsooth, I know not why we keep the treasures hoarded therein, save that it be for this cause, that if we were to give our friends that which we ourselves use and love, which would be of all things pleasant to us, if we gave them such goods, they would be worn and worsened by our use of them. For this reason, therefore, do we keep fair things, which we use not, so that now we may give them to our friends. Now guests, both of the waste and the westland, since here is no gate-thing or meeting of the dale-wardens, and we sit here but for our pleasure, let us go take our pleasure within doors for a while, if it seem good to you. Therewith he arose, and the folk made way for him and his guests, and folk-mites went on the right-hand side of Ironface, and beside him went the chapman, who looked on him with a half-smile, as though he knew somewhat of him. But on the other side of Ironface went the sunbeam, whose hand he held, and after these came face of God, leading in the rest of the newcomers, who yet held the flowery branches in their hands. Now so much had face of God told the dalesmen, that they deemed they all knew these men for their battle-fellows, of whom they had heard tell, and this the more, as the men were so goodly and manly of aspect, especially folk might, so that they seemed as if they were nigh akin to the gods. As for the sunbeam, they knew not how to praise her beauty enough, but they said they had never known before how fair the gods might be. So they raised a great shout of welcome, as the men came through the gate into the burg, and all men turned their backs on the booths, so eager were they to behold closely these new friends. But as the guests went from the gate to the house of the face, going very slowly because of the press, there in the front of the throng stood the bride with the women of the runaways, whom she had caused to be clad very fairly, and she was fain to do them a pleasure by bringing them to sight of these newcomers, of whom she had not heard who they were, though she had heard the cry that strangers were at hand. So there she stood smiling a little, with the pleasure of showing a fair sight to the poor people, as folk do with children. But when she saw those twain going on each side of the alderman, she knew them at once, and when the sunbeam, who was on his left side, passed so close to her that she could see the very smoothness and dainty fashion of her skin, then was she astonished, and the world seemed strange to her, until they were gone by, and for a while afterwards, she knew not where she was, nor what she did, though it seemed to her, 
as if she still saw the face of that fair woman as in a picture but the sunbeam had noted her at first even amongst the fair women of Bergstead, and she so steady and bright beside the wandering timorous eyes and lowering faces of the thralls but suddenly as eye met eye she saw her face change she saw her cheek whiten her eyes stare and her lips quiver and she knew at once who it was for she had not seen her before as folk might had then the sunbeam cast her eyes adown lest her compassion might show in her face and be a fresh grief to her that had lost the wedding and the love and so she passed on as for folk might he had seen her at once amongst all that folk as he came into the street and in sooth he was looking for her and when he saw her face change as the sight of the sunbeam smote upon her heart his own face burned with shame and anger and he looked back at her as he went toward the house but she saw him not nor noted him and none deemed it strange that he looked long on the bride the treasure of burgstead but for some while folk might was few spoken and sharp spoken amongst the chieftains for he was slow to master his longing and his wrath so when all the guests had entered the door of the house of the face the alderman turned back and standing on the threshold of his house spake unto the throng men of the dale and ye outlanders who may be here know that this is a happy day for hither have come to us guests men of the kindred of the gods and they are even those of whom face of god my son hath told you and they are friends of our friends and foes of our foes these men are now in my house as is but right but when they come forth i look to you to cherish them in the best way ye know and make much of them as of those who may help us and may by us be holpen therewith he went in again and into the hall and bade show the newcomers to the dais and wine of the best and meat such as was to hand was set before them he bade men also get ready high feast as great as might be against the evening they did his bidding straightway End of chapter 32